Romans chapter 12 happens to be one of my favorite um, chapters in the Bible, in the New Testament primarily. Uh, and uh, for many reasons, and this uh, text that we're going to land on today happens to be one of them. Um, we're going to read a couple verses, uh, starting in verse 9 to 11, if that's okay. Here the Apostle Paul says, love, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow, it's a heavy list here, Paul. And here's my favorite verse, verse of all time. In verse 11, Paul the apostle says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This is where we're going to land this morning. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in in spirit, and serve the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we trust you in these next moments, this 30 to 35 minute sermon, that your Holy Spirit would come upon my weakness with the strength of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that the strength of Christ would be manifested today in this sermon, God, that you would ignite something deep within our hearts, Lord, that needs to be ignited to do this thing we call Christianity. Father, you have purposed that there would be fire in our guts to passionately serve you, not just to serve you and serve you alone, but to serve you, God, with passion. And now I need your help. Because I hope, Lord, that by my words, you would strike a certain kind of passion in our hearts today that would transform us and change us from the inside out. We pray these things would be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, keeping ourselves fervent in spirit is not unique to Romans chapter 12 only. It's really, quite frankly, all over the Bible, Old and New Testament alike. If you take passages just in the New Testament alone, you find 2 Timothy 1.6, which Paul encourages his son Timothy in the faith to um, fan into flame the gift of God inside of you, Timothy. And again, we're going to unpack a little bit of what this means, because I imagine you're saying, what, what do you mean God wants to set me on fire and to fan into flame something within me? What does that mean? Well, we hope to get to that today and help bring some meaning to it. Uh, you have Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, which says, be diligent, not sluggish in faith. You have 2 Corinthians 8, 7, which says or teaches us to excel in zeal. And then, of course, you have Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. These are just a few of the many verses that help bring some better understanding of what doing this Christian faith actually looks like. But in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do not grow weary in doing good. So, essentially, the scriptures teach us how imperative it is for us to obey Christ, yes, but here in Romans, in some of these other passages, passages excuse me, that I mentioned, uh, teaches us that we should do that wholeheartedly. And what I mean by wholeheartedly, I mean enthusiastically with passion. 
Now, you're gonna have to forgive me. I get really excited. I tend to yell, raise my voice. I know that is strange to do in New England. Um, but I, it's just the rock of which I've been hewn from. Uh, my parents were screamers. <laughs> you know, the way we would communicate is we would talk loud, you know, just to get across the most craziest of points. My family, Bethany and I, we are loud people. And I like to think it's just because of a passion that we have for Jesus and his word. And so uh, forgive me if that takes you by surprise. I don't mean to, but you, it will happen. So just wanted to prepare you for that. So again, the scriptures, as was mentioned, teaches us to obey Christ, of course. But it teaches us more specifically to do it in a kind of manner and that manner being wholeheartedly and enthusiastically with passion. In other words, we are to be impassioned by or in, in this case, the spirit. If we were to use charismatic vernacular, <laughs> any charismatics here today? That's all right. Okay, we got like three. What the heck? I know that there's more charismatics here. If you're a charismatic, act like one. Any charismatics here in the house today? My God. But in vernacular of the charismatic church, we would say, or we would define this uh, being fervent in spirit as being on fire for Jesus. Being on fire for Jesus. And no, Jesus is not going to come and literally set you on fire. That's not what we're talking about. But he's going to, or he wants to come to you and give you a passion, an intensity in your gut to serve Jesus wholeheartedly and enthusiastically. And this is what Paul touches upon in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Now, the second part, and we've already touched upon it a little bit, of the verse brings out some clarity and helps us define some things here, if you would. And the second part of the exhortation is to be fervent in spirit. Say it with me. Be fervent like charismatics, be fervent in spirit. All right, we got we to gotta work on this charismatic deal, guys. I've been some charismatic churches, and they are loud and proud. But be fervent in spirit. This be fervent in spirit can be translated like this. Be set on fire by the spirit. Now, again, don't, don't get carried away. We're going to try to define this even more to help us understand if we translate it in the way that it should be translated or the way that most commentaries and scholars translate it, we could read Romans chapter 12, verse 11 like this. Don't be lazy in zeal. Be set on fire by the Spirit. The word fervent comes from the Latin word vervens, which means boiling. And that is exactly what the word means in the Greek here. It means to be boiling in spirit. If we were to kind of get a character in the New Testament, a person who modeled this or had this kind of fervent in spirit, it would be Apollos in Acts chapter 8, 24. If you're familiar with Apollos, he was the man who knew nothing about the baptism of Jesus, but yet in Ephesus was speaking boldly about Christ, knowing nothing about the baptism, and 
I think it's uh, Aquila and Priscilla. I might be botching those names. Those characters took witness of Apollos' fervent spirit and gave testimony in the text of his fervent spirit. This is what Acts 18.24 says. Apollos was eloquent, competent in the scriptures. He knew the text. He knew the Torah. It says that he spoke and taught accurately concerning Jesus only knowing his baptism. I'm sorry, not knowing his baptism. Here it is uh, in verse 25. He became, he, I'm sorry, I'm losing my place. My notes are a little bit jumbled here, but I'm just let me find my place. It says in verse 25 of Acts chapter 18, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent, there's that word, boiling in spirit. That's, that's, that's the way we're to imagine Apollos. As he's there competently, knowledgeably articulating the scriptures with boldness, he is not just talking intellectually to the crowd. He is boiling. There is something transpiring in his spirit. There is intensity and passion, and that's the way we are to see Apollos. He is fervent in spirit, and he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he had only been baptized by John. It's, it's interesting what the Spirit can do, right? Here, here Apollos says he is not familiar with the baptism of Jesus, but yet the Spirit is able to come upon him in, in such a way where he can correctly articulate with passion and power the story of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that, is, that blows my mind. In other words, the Spirit is able to do a lot more than we give him credit. And we should probably trust in him just a little bit more than what we are as a church. Not just this church, but the church. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 sounds both harsh a little bit, you know, and hopeful. Here Paul is encouraging people. Not even encouraging, it's really if you study it, he is commanding. This is not an option here for believers. He's not saying, hey, listen... I just recommend, I want to make a recommendation here, right? That you don't be slothful in zeal, right? And, and, you know, if I can encourage you just a little bit more, be, be fervent in spirit. No, friends, this is not an encouragement. This is a command. And if it was a command for the people in Rome, it's a command for us here in this church today. Amen? But it's a bit harsh and a bit hopeful at the same time. I mean, I've prone. Uh, to being lazy sometimes from time to time. I don't know if I have anybody that can uh, be <laughs> honest with that. I mean, it's, it's easy to get in a stupor, <laughs> right? And, and, and then you compound that with what we've been going through for the last year or so with COVID, and it just seems a lot easier. Hey, you know, I'm not going to church. You know, I'm not really around, uh, uh, you know, my Holy Spirit, God-feeling, Jesus-loving friends. You know, it'd be good just to coast a little bit, binge-watch Netflix, you know, Order some takeout and just kit cruise. But how, how many know the pandemics don't change the truth of the scriptures? When we're, when we're commanded to do something, we don't get the luxury as believers just be like, no, not my season. Friend, this is not about seasons. This is about commands that we are to follow. So we are all prone to be apathetic from time to time. And when I first read this, of course, 
years ago, I was like, Paul, take it easy. You know, kind of like Nacho Libre. Take it easy. Any Nacho Libre fans here? Love that show. But take it easy, Paul. Come on, it's okay to just rest in the Lord from time to time, so to speak. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. I'm just resting in the Lord. Sure you are. Sure you are. But in the other sense, it's hopeful. Because if you're feeling somewhat apathetic and lazy and slothful today, then there's a way out. I imagine that's why this text exists, right? Like, it's there for a reason, not to just condemn us and to kind of, you know, convict us that we are lazy by nature, right? Uh, Lazy in zeal is what I'm saying. But it's also hopeful because Paul is going to provide just by the definition of fervent alone, what he means or how we are to come out of the clutches of that apathy and burn for Christ. And and listen, don't, don't get lost. We all know what it's like to burn with passion for something or someone. So don't play, I don't get what he means by burning with passion. Listen, when I met my wife before I married, I had some things going on in my gut that felt like something was burning within me. I was like, I gotta be with her. I wanna hold her hand. I wanna kiss her. You know, or if you have a hobby, my son loves football. The kid is intense. He is passionate about learning and growing and going out, not just, you know, uh, every day for hours if he could. He's passionate about it. So we know what it means to be passionate. What it means to burn for something or someone. So don't play the game like you just don't understand. We understand. In the same way that maybe I at one time burned for my wife and really desired to be with her in the same way that my son is passionate about football, it's the same way that Jesus calls us, the church, to be fervent in spirit, passionate about him. Hopefully that's making sense. I told you I like to yell. So it's my opinion that this verse, um, it helps us understand how to escape the clutches of lethargy and dullness while serving the Lord. I mean, how many want that in your life? How many want a new passion to kind of fill your heart, a new excitement, not about the new girl you met, Not about the new boy you're infatuated with. Not about the certain hobby you want to pursue or relationship you want to go after, but Christ. How many want a new enthusiasm over pursuing and serving Jesus? I know I do. And and, and to be quite frankly, church can't be sustained. Ministry can't be sustained apart from it. It cannot. That's why so many things in the church spring up real quick. So many ministries, so many initiatives spring up real quick and die out just as quick as they spring up. It's because ultimately there's no passion. There's no buddy fervent in spirit boiling for that thing. Boiling for the call of Christ. Burning with that intensity and passion. And I don't know, I've been in ministry quite a long time And I don't know any other way to sustain my focus 
in my direction, in my intensity, but boiling in the spirit, being passionate about it, the same passion that filled my heart when I first met Bethany. Man, I pray often that that same passion for Christ would constantly fill my heart. And you know, here it is, guys. That passion is accessible. It, it, is, it is there for the taking. It is there for the taking. But let's make some things clear. If this whole thing was just as easy of just like, like doing something different that we weren't doing then, and I'll explain, I'm sure that didn't really make all that much sense, but it can be very easy to take me as saying, hey, listen, will you just stop being lazy, right? Would you be fervent in spirit? Like as if this was easy, it's just like stopping one way of you know, continuing in life in Christ and just starting a new way. How many know that just doesn't work? We, 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 we don't do good at just like determining to, to like change something, you know, like that we don't like about ourselves. And of course, we have to imagine that Paul agrees with this because this is the guy who gave us Romans 7.15. Now, if you're not familiar with Romans 7.15, just a couple chapters later, let's look at it real quickly. Here's the apostle. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. How many can relate to that? It's <laughs> like you look at your life and you're like, who am I? What am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I thinking that? Why did I say that? I do that all the time. <laughs> for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. Other translations say, I do not do what is right but I do the very thing that I hate. Come on. So we know, you know, being fervent in spirit is just not, in, absolutely not about doing. It's not like you do more and you become, you know, boiling hot and passionate for Jesus. Are you following me? You're like, yeah, talk to me like I'm talking to you. I love it. Like, I, I have a battle especially during this time of the year, to want to eat ice cream every night. I know, it's disgusting, right? You're thinking, what's wrong with you? Isn't your wife like some kind of health nut? How does she let you get away with that? And, and just, you know, to bring the drama out of that statement a little bit, I don't eat ice cream every night. But man, if I, if I could and I allowed myself to, I, I would do it. And there are times when it feels like most certainly every night I'm wanting to bring an end uh, to my day by, you know, going to the local ice cream shop because, you know, they're only open for, you know, this time of the year and then they close like late fall. So I was like, we might as well take advantage of it. That's my logic anyways. But no matter... Um, Sometimes how I fight that urge, I, I just can't um, win those cravings by, by trying to will or force myself uh, to not eat ice cream. Now, it's funny, but, uh, you know, I often, what I'm saying is I often give in. The ice cream demon wins. And so in this case... There's something I want to do that's job, honey, good choice. You might live a little longer, have better health, praise God. But for me, I do the very thing I hate. 
and I go, honey, will you go to Bigots? That's the ice cream shop down from our store and get me a small mint chocolate chip. Anybody have like their, I feel like I prefer certain kinds of ice creams uh, during the year. Like for me, summer mint chocolate chip seems to be pretty predominant. Like kind of go to get Ben and Jerry's, the uh, strawberry and cheesecake. Uh, or I, I want not my father-in-law, well, not at the time, but it was Beth. All that excited about, this is not, oh, I'll do it because. This kind of work that we're doing for Christ is we are passionate about it. We have a certain kind of fervency. We're boiling. A certain kind of intensity grips our hearts and we it's, it doesn't necessarily become about, oh, it's Sunday morning, I have to go and set those speakers up or have to go and man the welcome table. These are just examples, you know. And, and we, can, we can relate this to things other than church as well, you know. May, maybe for you it's, ah, uh, you know, I feel the tug of God on my heart to get in the word, but this thing is so boring and really doesn't speak that much to me these days. Therefore, just keep it closed. Or maybe you feel the tug of God, you know, pulling you to pray and to worship him. And you're just like, ah, oh, every time I go, I get nothing out of it. It seems kind of dull and boring. You know, that is not what we're talking about. Jesus does not want to force us to do anything. Hear me. Jesus does not want to force you today to do anything. He wants to give you a fervency, a passion, so that when you go to do it, oh, it's the immediate joy and pleasure of just like, yes, Lord, I get to be with you. Yes, I will look in the scriptures. I will get up this morning, pray. I will worship a certain kind of passion. You know, when Bethany invited me places prior to marrying her, it was like no matter what, I would rearrange my schedule my whole entire life just to get that moment with her. It was no problem at all. I was like, what, you want to go out Friday? Sure, I already had plans with some friends, but oh, canceled, made my friends real mad. But she was the object of my affection. And Christ wants to become the object of your affections so that ministry doesn't look like work in the way work looks like work, if that makes sense. So let's get to the end here. We, we've already talked about that fervent, being fervent means to boil um, in the spirit. I want to just read a quick um, paragraph or so of a pastor out in Pennsylvania. His name is Tyson Plant. And I hope this little snippet brings some clarity. Uh, and then we're going to land on what we need to do the most if we want to be fervent in spirit. Here's Tyson Plant. He says this, focusing, boiling, he uses Tyson. Man, Jesus was saying some pretty provoking, inspiring things. So I imagine upon that, these guys were like, please don't go, stay with us. And so Jesus accepts the invitation. But what's interesting here is prior to them arriving at the home, as they are explaining to Jesus what happened to Jesus, 
Jesus makes this observation in verse 25. And again, I'm, I'm fast-tracking through this, so look at it later, if you would, to see if I'm correct here. But Jesus makes this observation. He says, oh, foolish one, oh, foolish ones and slow to heart. The word slow here in the Greek means to be sluggish. Similar to what Paul is calling out in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Don't be slothful in zeal. Don't be sluggish. Don't be lazy, right? And Jesus identifies the hearts, at least of these two disciples and others who possibly were in kind of disbelief, as having slow hearts to comprehend all that had happened and all that had been proclaimed in things like the Old Testament. I mean, these things were clearly written out. So Jesus makes this statement, and the language is somewhat similar to what we see in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. But now as we fast track and we get to that moment where Jesus is with these two disciples around the dinner table, I love, I love Jesus in this way. He breaks bread. They're going to sit down. They're going to have dinner. He breaks bread and he blesses it. And immediately after he blesses it, these two disciples' eyes are open and they see that it's Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Totally rock star. Vanishes. <laughs> totally, totally epic. Like, I want that. That's awesome. You know, Here, just boom, he, he appears and boom, he goes. And they realize that it's Jesus. But something interesting happens as they probably reminisce and recount the things that took place in their journey on the way to Emmaus, and um, this is in Luke 24, 32. One of the things that the disciples say in kind of recounting their experience with Jesus is this, did not our hearts burn within us? Again, the language so similar. Actually, if you study the word burn, it's, 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 they say the same thing. Our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us. I found that that was interesting that they went from slow and kind of sluggish hearts to now after being with Jesus, burning, you know, fervent hearts. And sometimes, you know, when we try to look um, for the resolve of our own um, failures and kind of like, oh, why am I this way? You know, why am I sluggish in zeal? Why am I apathetic when it comes to this thing? Why am I fervent? Why ain't I this person that Daryl is talking about? I would just like to recommend that we all try getting closer to the burning man, Christ Jesus. Fervent hearts come, I believe, to people like these two disciples who put themselves close to Christ. And so that may look, I would say, different for some than it does others, but I don't think so. I, I know my heart, even as of the last year or so, have, oh, has become set aflame by just getting into this book I don't know, I, I don't need a lot to get me worked up these days. I pop this thing open and suddenly, it's, it's almost like automatic. It's like a burst of energy fills my heart. And, and I happen to believe that 
That would happen to all of us if we would just get close to this book. Sometimes we, we think that this book is about us. No, 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 no. A very small percentage of this book is about us. A great percentage is about Christ. And I happen to believe if you throw yourself close and into the scripture, man, your heart cannot be slothful. Your zeal can't be lazy. It will suddenly be ignited by the flames of God. And you'll be doing life, you'll be doing ministry with a whole different step. You know, a whole different joy and enthusiasm. And that's my hope for you, for me, for our church. I just don't imagine this thing lasting that long without some of us becoming fervent in spirit. And and I'll I'll break it uh, right out of the church context and I'll break it into your personal walk with Jesus. Most likely most of our walks with Christ, our faith will not last unless we become fervent in spirit, passionate about the one we proclaim. And so let's get close to the man who's always burning Let's pray. Father, we want to have moments like the men had in Luke 24, where at one moment, God, their hearts were a little slow and sluggish. To the next moment, just being around Christ, their hearts became aflame with the fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we, we need moments like that. Father, I, I pray that right now, by your grace, you would redirect us. Lord, that we would find a new step, Lord, to throw ourselves at Christ, to get ourselves into the word, to get ourselves into times of prayer, into times of worship for the purpose of our hearts being ignited with passion so that we could be boiling in spirit, God. Father, this is your desire for us. You don't want us to go through this faith, Lord, dead and dull and disinterested. God, you, you, you provided all that we need to live passionate, intense, focused, burning hearts, God. And I pray, Lord, that now by your grace, you would release that today. You would release a new fervency here in this room upon our hearts. Lord, you would release it as we go into Monday and as we go into Tuesday. Lord, we want to serve you with this passion. We, 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 we do, God. We don't want to be dull. We, we want to be set on fire. So God, I can't do that. Only you can do that. Lord, we've pointed them towards the truth. Now I ask God that they would lay hold of it. Apply it and put it to good use, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, I believe it's appropriate to never leave this place without opening this altar call and providing uh, prayer for those who need prayer. 
And so in that manner, we're gonna continue. Heaven forbid somebody leave this place and you need prayer and we don't pray for you. So this is the way we're gonna close it out. The altar's open. I'm gonna ask for some who are on the core team, uh, the all teams, um, staff of our church to come up front to help me pray for those who need it. But the altar is open. We're gonna officially close the service. Guys, be blessed. I really do pray for a fruitful, God-filled week where your heart experiences a new fervency for Christ. Amen. Be blessed and the altar is open and we are ready to pray for you guys. We'll see you all next week.